Welcome on in to Birds with Friends Radio right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joining me in studio here for the next hour, Shiel Kapadia, Bo Wolf of The Athletic. And I said, guys, I'll see you next week, win or lose. Unfortunately, the Eagles go down, so the season is over. But you guys are here, and we still have a lot to talk about. Shiel, how you doing? A lot to talk about. And, you know, when, when we were starting that game, when we were about, what, 10 minutes in, it looked like we were going to be here talking about an NFC Championship game, but it uh, it went the other way, obviously. So it's funny. I, I, I didn't look at my phone or Twitter in the beginning of the game for a while, but then I kind of scrolled back at halftime, and I saw a tweet from Bo to me saying, Something's the effect of like, what? Oh my goodness, what did you do? Was yes. that when Foles was up fourteen nothing? Yeah, I think you created the monster. <laughs> I he's, almost did. He's he's Julio's monster, and then it all came crashing down, and they didn't move the ball for three quarters, and and that was it. Before we get to our three questions, and we'll do some phone calls, and we got a, a an interesting second segment tonight called "Praying Attention," which Bo will explain later. Just kind of take me through your thoughts during the game because at fourteen nothing, like the one thing I thought of fourteen nothing was. They're gonna. There's no way they get blown out now. Like they've they've kind of given themselves enough cushion that they're gonna be in this the whole way, which they were. But I could never have imagined that was that was the end of the scoring for the day. Well, the first quarter, I you know I said to Bo, this is this is Super Bowl false. I think he threw the one touchdown to Matthews, and then he had like an out route to Golden Tate where he was under pressure, where the ball was just on the money. And I'm like, they're getting Super Bowl false. Like they have a chance to win this game. And then once. You know, they threw the interception and the Saints started coming back as it got close to halftime and they didn't score. I actually thought the opposite. I thought this could go really badly in the second half and they're not going to be able to stop the Saints. They already got their stops. They didn't do enough with them. But then that last drive comes around. You know, once that roughing the passer happened, I thought they're going to score here. My only question is, will they give the Saints enough time to come back? But, uh, you know, who knows if, if... Alshon Jeffrey catches that pass. I think they probably do score there. And then you see how much time's left on the clock for Drew Brees. And it goes to show you just, you know, how little we know that this game was like nothing that any of, any of us could have expected. I mean, if you, you said that the, the Saints were going to score 20 points, you think the Eagles are going to win that game easily, right? And if you say the Eagles are going to score 14 points, you would have thought, okay, they're getting blown out. The fact that they were able to hold the Saints to 20 points and still lose, I think, is is sort of crushing. You know, as as Sheila had pointed out, the Saints held under 30 points, I think, just once all season at home. So, uh, I mean, it was a crazy game. I think they, I, I agree, I think they would have scored. Who knows if they would have left uh, too much time on on the clock for Drew Brees and Nick Foles would have left the field with the lead again. I need your opinion on this before we, we jump into our three questions. Did you guys have any problem, and were you surprised they ran the play before the two-minute warning? I was surprised they did just because I was, I just assumed the warning was coming, but... 
I didn't have a problem with it, especially that they got an open guy. Like, it wasn't like a contested pass. It was, I think if Doug could draw it up again, he could get that pass with that open. He would do yeah. it again. I was a little surprised, too, but Doug explained that uh, it was a look that they that they liked. I mean, they, they had run the same play two plays earlier. It got Zach Ertz open, uh, and so I think they liked what they saw. They weren't sure that they would see that uh, after the two-minute warning, but I was a little bit surprised that they ran the play. But as you said, he was open. 99 times out of 100, Alshon Jeffrey catches that ball. Yeah, I think it had no bearing on the outcome. I mean, they could have let the two-minute warning go and then come out and call the same play and gotten the same outcome. I was surprised that they were going no huddle, though, on that drive. I just thought, you know, you've got to be looking to score here and also not give them the ball back. Now, maybe as that drive proceeded, they would have done that a little bit more, but there probably was no great reason to do it that way, but I don't think it had an effect on, on the outcome. All right, our first big question tonight, and as you could tell by the call board here, it is the question Unbelievable. that everyone wants to talk about. What happens with Nick Foles? Now, yesterday, Howie and Doug talked, and Doug said Carson is our quarterback moving forward, and Howie uh, kind of hedged and said that they would love to have Nick Foles back, and I'm paraphrasing, in a, in a perfect world, but I don't know if any of us believe that could actually happen. So, I know you talked to Shil, uh, to um, Joe Banner. Shil, what Right now, as you look at this thing, what do you think is going to happen here with Nick Foles? You know, I think what what some are confusing is the Eagles' leverage or control in this situation. Really, Nick Foles has a lot of control here where if the Eagles exercise that option for 2019, Nick Foles can say, here's $2 million, I'm buying it back, I'm a free agent. And And is that pretty likely? That seems like it's going to happen. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're asking me what the most likely scenario is, that's it to me, that the Eagles say, okay, we're going to exercise it for next season. Maybe we can trade you, and Foles is going to say, I'm going to pick where I want to play. Here's $2 million back. It's been a fun run. I'm going to go into free agency. Now, some will ask, well, can't they use the franchise tag? Technically, they can, but it is a real long shot because that's going to be $25 million. And as soon as you assign, I know this is bo- a little bit boring for radio, but just to get it clear up front, as soon as you assign a player franchise tag, that $25 million hits your salary cap. So that's going to handcuff you from other moves you want to make. Other teams can call your bluff and say, we're not trading for Nick Foles. You're not going to keep him on your roster for $25 million. And so you you have a lot of risk right there. So I think most likely Foles will buy his way into free agency. The Eagles will get a third-round comp pick the following year, and he'll go ahead and he'll get a shot to be a starter somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, reading Shields' piece, that's the impression I got. Uh, And it does seem like there is less... Uh, control in the Eagles' favor than than in Nick Foles' favor. I mean, you're, the best case scenario is that if you can do better than the comp pick, if the Eagles could get something, if they can work with Nick Foles and sort of find a destination that wants to trade for him for that twenty million dollar cap hit, maybe they can get a second round pick for this year, which is a little bit uh, better than the, the third round pick next year. But if you're Nick Foles, I don't see I don't see why you're incentivized to play along. You should. Uh, you should take advantage of your opportunity to hit the open market. So what would is there a scenario where the Eagles would feel like the risk is worth it by putting the franchise tender on them? Like it, let's just play it out. Let, like let's say the Giants or Eli Manning retires tomorrow and that starts to become a story that Pat Shermer, they need a quarterback, they have uh, they have some weapons there. Do you think that that the Eagles would then say let's keep him away from that place and it's worth the risk? No, I think the only scenario where they would be able to do that is if they had a deal you know, behind closed doors with a team that said, hey, you know, we'll be willing to trade for him on that franchise tag. Uh, Go ahead and do that, and then we'll trade for him. But that just seems very unlikely, because think about it. If you're a team that wants to acquire Nick Foles and wants him to be your starter, 
You trade for him on the franchise tag. That's a one-year deal of $25 million guaranteed and nothing more than that. So what are you really going to give up for a quarterback for just one year, especially in a scenario where you say, you know what, if we don't do this, he's probably going to just become a free agent, and then we can negotiate with him on the open market. So I think the Eagles will try to play this game. They'll try to create a market. They'll see if they can get a trade. Ultimately, uh, it, would be, it would be very impressive, I'll say, by Howie Roseman if he's able to get something better than a third-round pick for Nick Foles. And the the amount of suitors for Nick Foles is not going to be that high. I mean, he is he is the prize of the, the free agent market for quarterbacks. But, you know, we went through this list the other night. There's like five teams who make sense. Jaguars. Right? Jaguars, Broncos, Red Giants Skins. maybe, Washington maybe, uh, Miami potentially. We don't even know who their coach is yet, right? right. Maybe, the, maybe the Patriots defensive coordinator. Right. It hasn't been announced yet. You could make a case for Oakland, I guess, but. I mean, it's John Gruden's always right, weird. exactly. But it's not. I mean, to me, I think it's sort of Jacksonville, Denver, and then you know maybe New York, but maybe Washington. So it's not like there's that much competition where you're going to be able to you know uh, squeeze a lot of compensation on teams. I think what Shield says is right. These teams, if they want him, they're going to they're going to think they can just pony up for him in, in free agency. So there's been some talk the last day or so that the Eagles should try to find a way to keep both of these quarterbacks and kind of hedge their bet for another year. Even if they, even if Nick agreed or they could work it money wise, do you think it could actually happen? Like, I just don't think, I don't think another year of this would be good for anyone. That's a tough one. I mean, if Nick said, you know what, I'll, I don't want to go somewhere else. I've seen the worst this league has to offer with Jeff Fisher and the Rams. I'll, I'll stick it out here. You don't have to pay me. 20 million, you know, I'll do something a little bit below that. I want to win a Super Bowl. I might have a chance to play if Carson goes down. I don't know. They've, they've kind of made it, sort of made it work for two years. I, I do agree with you. It's, it feels like it's sort of reaching that tipping point where. Yeah, I feel it. <laughs> Wentz comes back, you know, let's I say he comes back Carson next especially. year and he struggles in the first three weeks. And I mean, look at your board right here. You Foles, got eight Foles. people ready to talk false uh, right away. So uh, you are probably right that from a chemistry team-building standpoint, and don't forget, Foles would be making significantly more money than Wentz as well. So there's all these sort of weird dynamics at play there if you were to do that. I don't know if you got this sense from from Carson Wentz's availability the other day, Shield, but it does seem to me like he is sort of exasperated with with the whole thing. I mean, obviously he's rooting for the guys, but uh, the amount of attention that is paid to him, I think he, he wants to get back on the field, and I think dealing with all the questions about everything non-football related is sort of weighing on him a little bit. I'm sure. I mean, think think about it's only been a year, like maybe 13 months, we can say. 13 months ago, the guy is leading, what were they, 11-2, and two, mm-hmm. MVP, talk of the league. I mean, all that. And then since then, look, look at what's happened. Your backup goes ahead and wins the Super Bowl. You come back. You play okay. You had this mysterious back injury after you had the knee injury. Now people are questioning your durability. Some people are calling for, you know, maybe, maybe you should hold on to Foles. It, it's what a whirlwind. And this guy's in, what, what is it? Is, you know, he was in his third season in the NFL. So I'm sure it is a stressful time. And it's been just a kind of a crazy, a crazy 13 months for him. Yeah, and the clock for Carson, too, is ticking. He has two years left on his deal. Yes. And probably one more year to play well to get paid. So, like, he's got to, everything's got to start falling back into place. For Carson Wentz. All right, let's move on to our second big question. The most pressing offseason concern position-wise. I think this is interesting because they have, you know, we're going to talk about the quarterback thing until we just were blue in the face, but they have a lot of other issues moving forward. 
Um, I'll go first on this. I think pass rush is a concern for me. Derek Barnett was injured. Brandon Graham's a free agent. Chris Long and Michael uh, Bennett are good players, but they're older. They don't have a young pass rusher that I believe in. Uh, Barnett, I do, but he's been hurt. They need another one. I'm, I'm concerned there, and I don't know what they're going to do with Brandon Graham. I agree that that is the most the most pressing need, especially if you sort of count the entire defensive line. You know, Brandon Graham is, is a free agent, as you said, and you know he would like to be back, I think. He has found the market softer than he would like in, in the past, but that said, you know, this is his last chance to get a real paycheck. I would, I would expect that he'll, he'll go to wherever the highest bidder is. Uh, and then you've got Michael Bennett and Chris Long. Chris Long, I think, has a, a player option uh, on his deal, so he has also expressed the desire that he wants to play if he's going to be playing another season, so uh, he may not want to come back and, and play in the rotation. Michael Bennett was their second-best defensive lineman all season long, but who knows uh, how the Eagles felt about him behind the scenes. Uh, I, I think his, his deal for next year is $7 million, which is pretty reasonable for him, even though he's, he's getting a little bit older. But, yeah, they have nobody else young. Uh, Timmy Jernigan is still a, a total question mark with his health. There's nobody else at defensive tackle besides Fletcher Cox. So, you know, the Eagles have had success over the past couple seasons with those veteran defensive linemen. I would expect that they'll, uh, whether it's bringing these guys back or finding new guys, they will bring in some more veteran guys. But especially if you look at the draft, they've got three picks in the first two rounds. I would be surprised if they don't take two defensive linemen in those first three picks. That's just sort of the way that Howie Roseman likes to, to build things. Yeah, I think this is going to be a draft where they reload their defensive line. You have Fletcher Cox, you have Derek Barnett to build around. This might this might be a position where if they are to trade for somebody, kind of out of the blue, maybe it is a pass rusher, whether it's an edge rusher or a defensive tackle. And I say that because when you draft these guys, this is a position typically where a guy is not going to come in and have you know 10 sacks in his first year. It takes a little bit longer to develop their rotational players, and then they work their way into a starting role. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. If, if we see some pass rushers kind of on the trading block here in the months ahead, that would be a position I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles got a little aggressive with. All right, let's hit our third big question. Then we'll take a couple calls in this segment. Where do the Eagles rank? among long-term franchise outlook. And I think this is a fascinating question just because I've been debating the last couple of days in my own mind if on Sunday night the window started to close on this team more than we think it did. Uh, look, that, look, Carson Wentz, I mean, that's the big thing, right? You have a young quarterback not making much money. The quarterback position is cheap. That allows you to build. And like we just said, they have a lot of older players. Like Jack and I the other night were trying to figure out how many 25 and under players the Eagles have that you really believe in. And we didn't have a long list. Sydney Jones. Well, the entire secondary. Wow. Well, the entire cornerback group. Define believing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's some <laughs> guys fair. you might like a little bit, <laughs> right. but you don't really have a lot to truly That's believe true. in. It's just not much. And if Carson Wentz comes back and is an MVP again, that lifts you know everything up. But if he doesn't, I, I think they have a good outlook in the NFC, but I don't think it's as great as it was I, I thought when the year started. Well, I look at this as three components. The quarterback, obviously. Yep. The head coach, and ownership. You know, do you have do you have an owner who cares and is willing to spend, but is also not meddlesome in in football decisions? And the Eagles have all three of those things. Obviously, it depends on Carson Wentz and, and his back. But uh, I think you can make a case that they're in. You know, you, you could make a case for them against any other team. You know, Indianapolis has Frank Reich and Andrew Luck, but they've got a crazy owner. Uh, the Patriots obviously have a, an old quarterback and an old coach. 
Kansas City has great ownership, great quarterback. Is Andy Reid getting a little too old? I don't know. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, uh, throwing Andy on I, 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 I would probably take Jeez. Kansas City at this point. I would too. Um, oh, wow. But, you the know, Rams, even, the Rams, where they The fit? Rams, they don't have a lot of uh, draft stock and stuff. That's They've true. traded all that stuff away. They really mortgaged the future for, for this season. Um, and, you know, I don't love golf as, as much as most, uh, you know, even a guy like Baker Mayfield. Okay, he's a great young quarterback, but that's a, a trash fire of an organization. And who knows what, what Freddie Kitchens is going to be like as a head coach. So, you know, I think you can make a case for the Eagles as, as number one. Defense comes and goes, I think, and is, is less important in the NFL today uh, than it has been. But it, again, it all comes down. It all comes down to Carson Wentz's back. So it's, it's a big question mark, but I don't think you can not feel good about the, the way that the Eagles are set up. And I think what we learned about Doug Peterson, the second half of the season makes you feel much better. Yeah, I think they're probably top five. I mean, if I, I think if you took a league-wide survey of every owner and, and you said, do you want Peterson and Wentz or uh, Andy Reid and Mahomes? I, I think more would choose Andy Reid and I Mahomes. I think that's right. I mean, especially the way Mahomes looked this year. Uh, so I, I think they're probably ahead of them. And then, you know, yeah, like you said, they're they're right in that category with the Rams and I think the Browns are a sneaky one, depending on what you think uh, is going on there behind the scenes. But certainly Baker Mayfield and sort of the draft ammunition. And if you look at players under 25, they're, right. you know, they probably uh, are loaded there compared to the Eagles. But I think they're in good shape. And really, uh, I think the coach is a huge reason. I mean, my uh, ups and downs with my opinion, quite honestly, of him this year is unbelievable. But now I'm ending and I look back at what he did with this team when they're four and six and six and seven and keeping everyone together and figuring out a way once again to mold the offense with Nick Foles and just sort of the, the culture and what some players were saying on locker room clean out day about wanting to play for him and uh, how much they liked him. I, I think that's a real thing. I think he proved himself once again. And so I, I think they're in pretty good hands there. And I think Doug is a reason why they have to, if they, if they believe in Carson, then you move on from Nick. Cause we, Doug has shown us he's great with quarterbacks and they have, they like Sudfeld. Like you would think he could develop him into a, a legitimate backup quarterback. Let's take a phone call here. Jeff, in Williamstown is up next. What's up, Jeff? Jeff? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, Jeff. What's up, man? Well, I really don't think there's much of a question here. I mean, Nick Foles, as much as he did, he won the Super Bowl. That's fantastic. But we got to get something for this guy. We can't just let him walk out the door and ride off into the sunset, and we're left with nothing. We got to at least franchise him, keep him. And guess what? Carson Wentz? We don't know what he's going to be. We don't know if he's going to stay healthy. Why not keep Nick Foles on the roster next year? Pay the $25 million. Then you get rid of Peters. Get rid of McLeod. Get rid of a couple other guys. You, you save your cap space right there, and then you sign some free agents, do what you got to do. I don't see why we want to take the risk with Carson Wentz without having an insurance policy. Well, I hear you, Jeff, but the problem is – in, in a perfect world, and we appreciate the call, in a perfect world, and I like Foles, you're wasting $25 million. It's unprecedented. I mean, it's never been done in NFL history that you would pay a backup quarterback $25 million when your starter is making, what, seven also. I mean, it just handcuffs you from doing anything else with the, you know, maybe not anything else, but from doing a lot of things with the roster. And again, Foles has to buy into this. He has to sign the yes. franchise tender uh, and agree to it. So it's not like he has no say, and you can just totally control his his rights without him doing anything. 
People have brought up Montana and Young in the late 80s. First of all, these two are not Montana and Young. And second of all, there was no salary cap back then. Mm. You just do whatever you want. You, you can't do that now. Eight you think eight. they're both better? Uh, clearly, yeah. yeah well, I, don't know, I, I don't know about Wentz. Foles, obviously. Okay. You, would go, you would go Foles, Montana, Young, Wentz? Uh, I liked actually I was a young guy. When oh, I was okay. young. Yeah, right. so I, I would go Foles, Young, Montana. I respect that. Yeah, let's just be okay. real about it. Eight at eight seven two nine ninety four ninety four. That is how you get an art. We're with Chio Capati and Bo Wolf of the Athletic. Bo, tell everyone how they can sign up to read you guys. Theathletic.com slash WIP gets you thirty percent off and a free week trial. Check out Shields' exhaustive breakdown of all the possibilities of everything the Eagles can do with Nick Foles. Talk to Joe Banner. Went through all the possibilities. Check it out right now. On the other side, praying attention. We'll explain and get into that on Birds with Friends, Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is Birds with Friends Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back, Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is Birds with Friends Radio. Shio Kapadia and Bo Wolf in studio talking Eagles. And we did a lot of Nick Foles in the first segment. We'll do more Nick Foles because that's what we're going to talk about until he's not, no longer part of this team. But... We have a special segment we always do in our second segment of the show. Bo, why don't you tell us what we're doing this week? Can I ask you a question first? It just came to me. If Carson Wentz just delivered uh, two playoff games where the offense scored a total of, what is it, 30 points? 30 points in two games. Yep. Threw an interception in the loss, played like he did. It was 29 points, 15 and 14? No, they scored, it was 16. 16, 15? Yeah. Okay, 30. Uh, I wonder what the reaction would be about how he played. didn't score a point after the first quarter against a bad defense. Oh, it would be pretty negative. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the excuses. That was for you, Jack. The excuses for Foles, they roll in. I mean, they do. I mean, oh, okay, sorry. Just that Foles just came was, seven drives, five first downs. He didn't play well enough on Sunday. I, I think he played fine against the Bears, all things considered. Yes, that defense on the road. I agree. He just didn't play well enough Sunday. The, yeah. the interception early in the game turned everything. And then I just thought Foles was off on he Sunday. He was off target. I mean, I, I, I rewatched these seven drives, and that he was the biggest factor. I mean, to be quite honest. Missing, accuracy, missing by yeah. a lot. Yeah, there were some plays there, especially on third down to extend drives. They didn't have a drive longer than five plays uh, after the first quarter. So, just wondering. Okay. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, <laughs> I, I guess the next call we'll take in a little bit is, look at this. Look what I have to deal with here. Todd and Marlton, Foles at the topic, and in parentheses, Jack's right. We don't have to put that up there. I mean, I, we get it. You want to be right? This city's defense of Nick Foles is embarrassing. Just like the apologies for Carson Wentz were embarrassing during the season. Anyway, let's talk to uh, let's talk about this segment. Bo, what do we have? Praying attention. This is a first in Birds with Friends history. Oh, yeah? Now, mm. praying P-R-E-Y, not P-R-A-Y. This is not about how, how Philadelphia has the only churches in the country. Uh, what we're going to talk <laughs> about are some of the decisions that need to be made for the Eagles this offseason – but we're not going to get into predicting what will happen. More so, what are you more interested in? What what will tell you more about the way that the, the future uh, of this Eagles team will go? And so let's start with the decision on Jason Peters' future, who is due uh, about $10 million, going to be 37 years old next year, of course, not able to finish many games this season, including the loss to the Saints, versus the decision on the future of Darren Sproles, who is a free agent but has expressed uh, the the – thought that he might be willing to come back, and, and Doug Peterson has said that uh, they do love him in the locker room. Jason Peters and Darren Sproles, who are you more interested in? Jason Peters. Um, one, it's more money. Two, it's a more important position. I mean, they basically got five most of the season without Darren Sproles anyway, and I don't. they still don't have a replacement for Jason. They have to find it in the draft. I don't think it's Vitae. And 
if they bring him back, they're telling us they're okay with uncertainty at left tackle. I, I know everyone loves Jason Peters in this town, but it's very hard to build an offense where you don't know if your left tackle is going to be out there for all four quarters. Like on Sunday, the biggest plays of that game, he's on the sideline, and I'm sure he was struggling, but it's, it's frustrating when you don't know if he could play. So I'm, I'm way more interested in what they do with Jason Peters. Yeah, I do wonder if they were to part ways with Jason Peters, if they would say, all right, between Vitae, Mylotta, we can we can figure this out. I mean, that, that obviously carries some risk with it, but I do think Vitae, when he's the starter and he's practicing with the starters, he's been much better than when he just gets thrown in a game. But I'll take the other side, and the reason is, with Darren Sproles, it seems to me like this is a coach versus front office potential disagreement. I mean, Doug Peterson, the owner's meetings last spring, just came out and said, yeah, I definitely want Darren Sproles back. And I was like, oh, that, that's kind of weird. He's not on the roster. You haven't signed him. And then they end up signing him. The guy doesn't play most of the season. I know uh, he's a fan favorite, but I, I think the wise sort of business decision, team-building decision, if you're Howie Roseman and the front office, is to say, thank you, Darren. You've had a great career, but we're going to move on here. I think Peterson might feel a little bit differently. So I, I am a little uh, fascinated to see how that dynamic plays out. The Peters thing strikes me as it's it's still probably going to be his decision. I feel like if he's going to want to play again, I think the Eagles are probably going to take him back. I think you probably don't take uh, a ton of you, – you bring as many guys back as you can when you are protecting the blind side of the guy with a broken back who matters the most to your franchise, right? But And if he wants to play, he'll just tell Jeff Lurie, and Jeff will let him play. His best friend. I mean, they're buddies. That's right. All right, next up, uh, a pair of free agents to be. Ronald Darby who is coming off the torn ACL, 25 years old, but, of course, uh, a bunch of guys in the secondary made some moves towards the end of the season. Or Jordan Hicks, who uh, is also coming off an injury but played at the end of the season, although he was supplanted as the dime linebacker by by Nigel Bradham. I'll go with Jordan Hicks is more interesting here because I think they have a lot of depth now at corner, and I just kind of assumed Darby wouldn't be back. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But Hicks, I don't know. There's a chance I feel like they could get him on a cheap price considering what has happened to his career the last couple of seasons. Yet, you watch the end of the season, you watch the way some other teams play with a lot of D-backs in the field, like the Charge in their playoff game. I wonder if we're trending more towards one linebacker on the field a lot more than, I mean, three just seems like it's from the old days. But now we do two a lot. I wonder if the Eagles just say, why are we going to pay a linebacker? We have Bradham. Maybe we only need another one we could develop. I I think the Hicks thing is interesting just from the way they see their defense. I think that's a great point. You know, if I'm the Eagles, I would be more invested in trying to find a Young, athletic, Corey Graham type. Yeah, I know those don't really go together, what I, <laughs> what I just said, but the third safety, instead of playing another linebacker, I mean, in some of these games, you are better off playing six defensive backs. That safety can be sort of a hybrid player. He can be a bigger guy. Uh, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, That those guys don't grow on trees, but that type of player who's very versatile. So I think that'll be interesting. I have a hard time seeing somebody saying, let's, let's open up the wallet for Jordan Hicks. I mean, he just hasn't been an impact player. He's had injury issues. So in that respect, I do think there's a chance that maybe he will end up coming back on a very team-friendly deal. Ronald Darby's a guy I thought, you know, if you asked me six weeks ago, I thought maybe he's going to have to settle for a one-year deal and he'll just come back. But with the way some of the younger cornerbacks played, I thought towards the end of the season, I see no reason to even explore that avenue. If I'm the Eagles, I, you know, I, I would tell his agent, we're not interested in Darby coming back. Good luck to you. And, uh, you know, We'll see uh, at St. Elmo's at uh, at the Combine or wherever they all hang out. Well, the Darby thing is interesting because his biggest selling point is that he's still young. Where he's only 25 years old. That's great. And yet, Cravon LeBlanc, 
Jalen Mills, Sidney Jones, Avante Maddox, and Rasul Douglas, the other five corners, are all even younger. So there's and cheaper. Really, and cheaper. They're all on their rookie deals. So there is really no reason. I, I think that's right. And I think the Hicks thing is interesting. You may, be, you may only need one linebacker, but who else do they have? Behind Nigel Bradham, right. if, if he gets hurt, you know, is it is it Nate Gary or uh, or Camus Grugier Hill? Do you feel okay with both of those guys being on the field a ton? I think it depends on what the market is for Hicks. I agree that's that's a little bit more interesting. All right, next up, we talked already about the the older defensive ends. So, are you more interested in what happens there, or in general, what happens at the running back position? I'm more interested in general in the running back position because I feel like I know what's going to happen with the old ends. They're going to probably keep one or two, but they're going to make basically business decisions, and one or two will come back, the other one won't. But I, running back, it feels like it's time to change the way they've approached running back. And I don't mean a first-round pick. I just mean they've got to find a guy. And I remember a couple of years ago during that draft when, when Barnett was the 15th pick, and there were a lot of rumors that they loved Christian McCaffrey coming out of Stanford. He never got to them. I wonder what they would have done. But, man, like, isn't that the perfect running back? Like, someone like that that can catch the ball, do everything, run it through the tackles. You can't find a guy like that every year. But it'd be nice if the Eagles could find a running back. They haven't had one for two years now. Yeah, Three this, years. Yeah, they, I mean, this was going to be my answer in the uh, first segment to the position. I, I forget what the question was, but the one that they really need to address. And you think, all right, it's 2019, the NFL running back. Who cares? We're seeing C.J. Anderson run all over teams. But I, I agree with you. They haven't been able to sort of just fill that in with guys who don't make a lot of money or not investing a lot of resources. Now, I'm not saying go out there and spend a lot of money on a running back. Use a first-round pick. But Le'Veon Bell? If you use – No, thanks. I don't think so, but well, both thinks maybe. Uh, but if you're – you know. Those two second-round picks you have, I don't think it's crazy to spend one of those on a running back and then sign maybe a middle-tier free agent. Give yourself some options in case there's an injury. You know, they got LaShawn McCoy back in the day in the second round. Brian Westbrook was a third-rounder. Like, they just went from one to the other and were so good at running back for that entire period of time. And since then, it's obviously been uh, a lot more difficult. So I think they need to find a way. I think they need to sort of give themselves different options where you sign a guy, you draft a guy, hopefully somebody comes through. But yeah, I, I agree with you. The run game needs to be better. 27th in efficiency last year. And also just somebody who's a weapon, you know, whether it's the screen game, someone you can line up out wide, you're not going to Alvin Kamara. I know is not easy to find, but someone in that mold a little bit, who's really a dynamic athlete that that would be near the top of my list. If I were the, Eagles. well, I'll throw a name in before Bo goes. Okay. I don't know if the Eagles uh, would be comfortable with this. I don't know if the city would be comfortable, but, I mean, Kareem Hunt is going to be available. Like, I, I would think at some point that comes under the radar and they have to have a discussion on whether or not they would entertain that. But Matt Nagy the other day basically already sort of laying the groundwork for the Bears maybe having yeah. interest, and he knows him. Peterson was, you know, in Kansas right. City. So. Yeah. Was he still there? Was he there? Or was he drafted? I think he was gone. I think he was gone. But Nagy obviously was with him for a year. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that they have a lot of work to do at the running back position. I think, you know, if I'm if I'm trying to build out the running back position, the only the only guy I'm expecting to be back next year is Corey Clement. Um, Wendell Smallwood was better than I expected this year, but if you are counting on him to be any more than a fourth running back, I think you're you're going to be disappointed. And so I think I think Shields right. I think you have to attack it both in in free agency and in the draft. And I think there's a case to be made that as badly as they they still need some kind of receiver with speed on the outside, that the biggest bump to this offense can come from from some kind of dynamic running back. It could, yeah. I mean, that that's one thing they haven't had for a couple of years. Even even with Clement, I mean, 
Got to see how he comes off the injury. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, you know, penciling him for okay, a big role. Yeah. I just, you know, he's the only one that I'm expecting to, to have a role. I would if he's agree healthy. with that, yeah. Let's take a couple calls, and then we'll continue our praying uh, attention coming up here as this show goes along. Todd is in Marlton. He thinks Jack is right, so we'll give him a shot here. What's up, Todd? Uh, hold on one second. Sorry. Classic Todd. See, hey, how are you? People that agree with Jack, not reliable. Hey, what's up, Howie? How you doing? What's up, man? Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Nick Foles. First off, I just wanted to say that Nick Foles is going to buy his free agency. The Eagles are going to try to do everything they can do to trade him. But, you know, the guy really deserves to have his own to choose and pick where he wants to go. But with that being said, getting back to the last couple of games that Foles played, um, if you look at the overall body of work that he did, the Chicago game wasn't too bad. But he threw off his back foot, something we haven't seen in a long time in the Saints game. Um, We also saw that Nick Foles looked rattled in that game. We also saw that Nick Foles uh, threw a lot of ducks. Uh, Nick Foles basically, in my estimation, uh, resumed back to who Nick Foles is in that game. Now, if Nick Foles could have got past that game, it's a different story. But Nick Foles looked rattled to me. And I also blame some of it on Doug Peterson. thought the play calling in the second half was horrible. I thought uh, going away from the run, four runs in the second half, whether you got to – But they couldn't the run, run the ball, to, Todd. They couldn't run I the ball. but you still got to show the run to at least be honest. Okay, if you have your quarterback back there, and I just feel like that uh, he was outcoached. But getting back to Foles, he really – he was one of the main reasons they did not win that game. He didn't play well. I'm – I'm with you that he didn't play well enough. I, I don't agree, though. And, Todd, we appreciate – I don't agree on the run. I mean, they – when well, this, they just they, they barely had the ball. Right. So if you if if the Saints hold the ball for the whole third quarter, you can't just be like, well, we're going to run the ball for the hell of it to start the fourth. They need to score. Yeah. They no, do, you need yeah. to move the football. Uh, I mean, that would that looks like a mismatch on paper going into the game. It was a mismatch. I mean, they they couldn't get anything going, especially after Brandon Brooks goes out. Doug Peterson alluded yep. to that um, as well. But you know, his points on Foles are true. You, you know, even that interception, Zach Ertz ran a beautiful route. He was open. On that play, he was open. That's an explosive play, and, you know, just some of those uh, Foles ended up underthrowing. We've always called him a high-variance quarterback where his good games are great and his bad games are terrible. We hadn't seen a bad game in a while, and it's sort of, uh, you know, it, it wasn't as bad as some of the worst ones of his career, but certainly didn't play well uh, in a big spot there. I also thought the Saints' defense is just, was better than I thought it was. Not, not excusing Foles. He didn't play well enough. But they didn't give them much. Like after the first quarter, it felt like there weren't many open guys either. They they were covered up pretty well. Yeah, no, I you tell agree. me. Yeah, I mean, until I guess Alshon was open. Though. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think and the legal sort of lack of speed and yep. dynamic playmaker at receiver showed up there. But yeah, they they did do a good job. It's right, a well, good thing they got uh, Dallas Goddard zero targets though. I knew it was coming back to that. I knew Goddard would come up in he the show. He hasn't even mentioned Golden Tate yet. Not yet. And it's, yeah. How he defended that yesterday. Uh, a third-round pick for finding one of those running What backs. was that response yesterday? He said no question, right? No question that it was a move that worked out, and right? Then he's, yeah. he's just, well, what's he going to say? I did a bad job? I mean, you could say something like, you know, you, you take swings. Some of them work out. Others don't. It was a tough that situation. That is an admission of failure. I mean. Did he I've, stare yeah, at you, well, Bo? We're, as well, we're not answered? blind. Uh, well, I mean, he did he catch might, a touchdown to yeah. beat the Bears. Like that, yeah, and he didn't even know the play. <laughs> That's how good he is. He didn't even know, yeah. he didn't know the right. play. Foles to Tate. All right, 888-729-9494. We'll come back some phone calls. We'll continue paying attention. And she'll tell everyone how they could sign up at The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash WIP. You get 30% off a seven-day free trial. We've got stuff on all the Philadelphia sports. Bo is going to have an off-season primer. 
for taking a look at some of the main questions that we're talking about today. That'll be up on Thursday. So go check that out, theathletic.com slash WIP. 888-729-9494 to hop in. This is Birds with Friends Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is Birds with Friends Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back. Birds with Friends Radio. Joe Giglio joined by Shil Kapadia and Bo Wolf of The Athletic as we kind of roll through praying attention here, which is um, which offseason decision. Bo gives us one or the other. We're more interested in uh, moving forward. And we, we kind of saved one here as I look at the list for, I, I thought, a, a kind of a longer discussion. Well, why don't we save that one for last? We'll go quickly into the other one. We'll do uh, the wide receiver decision okay, or the offensive line decision-making process. Wide receiver, obviously, outside of Alshon Jeffrey. You don't know exactly what you have. Nelson Aguilar has a uh, $9 million option that the Eagles picked up for next season, but they don't necessarily have to uh, hold on to that. They can release him for, for nothing or try to trade him. Golden Tate is a free agent. Uh, you know, Matt Collins, who knows what happened to him. Jordan Matthews is a free agent, so uh, the Eagles obviously need some help there on the outside. And then uh, offensive line, as we talked about, uh, Jason Peters, who knows what happens. Brandon Brooks, his status for the start of the season will be a little bit up in the air as he comes off the torn Achilles. Jason Kelsey has talked about considering retirement. He said he hasn't made a decision yet. Uh, so who knows what happens with uh, what has been the, the strongest unit on the offense. Assuming Jason Kelsey doesn't retire, I think wide receiver is more interesting just because Aguilar, we don't know, Tate, uh, it would certainly make the trade look different if they kept him. I, I feel like it would, you know, his career here would look a little different if he stays for another three or four years. But I think they need another guy. I didn't, they, they need speed. And you you mentioned it to you on the game that that was part of the issue on Sunday. I don't know when and how they draft that guy. They've missed on Shelton Gibson. Uh, they may have. Well, missed. that's not true. He had one catch for like forty eight yards. That's, that's a great true. yards per catch. Yeah, and he Bo, lined Bo up wrong against the Vikings. Out. Yeah, he yeah. looked in the preseason. Name, I have a I have a, a two can you trivia question oh, for boy. you. Two, can you name the player who played the fewest snaps on offense or defense over the course of the season for the Eagles, who, who played at least one snap on offense or defense? So not Matt Pryor? No, he never played a snap. Right. This is not a player who is still on the roster. Second place, I will tell you, is Chance Warmack. He played seven snaps that, over the course of the you, season. Yeah, because I did read your piece, and you mentioned yes. this on it. Kamar I still Aiken. can't remember. Kamar Aiken? Good guess. And he, he had a couple games where he played a significant amount. Which, Mark, is, which is why we can't hold Nick Foles' stats in his first two games. That's against right. Yeah. Not Marcus Wheaton. It is Marcus oh, Wheaton. Oh, it is Marcus Wheaton. He played, wow. he played two snaps. This and season, I believe he had a guaranteed contract. He, had a week, he was on the roster in week one. This season felt like it was forever. <laughs> that felt like a different season. The Kamar Aiken, Marcus Wheaton era. Josh Perkins, really did, yeah. didn't it? Wow. Uh, I forgot about him. I, I think wide receiver is more interesting. I, I think they need to draft a guy. I mean, it, Unfortunately for the Eagles, I think I've said that about every position. They need to draft a guy, yeah. but I think they could use some speed at receiver. Well, you know, that's a good point. It might help if they had a third-round pick. It would. That's why you got to keep Golden Tate, otherwise it looks worse. <laughs> I think they do need to get more athletic at wide receiver. You can tell from a team-building perspective, they want to have a burner opposite Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, it was Torrey Smith uh, last year, and then they tried to get Mike Wallace in that role. So I don't know who it's going to be, but yes, a vertical threat, someone who can stretch the defense, even if it's a one trick pony, I think that's fine. Uh, just somebody who can add some speed to the offense. So I would be surprised if they didn't go that route. I don't have like a, a name in mind. would have to look at who's a free agent, but I would expect them to do that. And I think Tate will probably be gone. I'm kind of curious to see what happens with Aguilar. I mean, most likely he comes back, but at $9 million, do you say, is that really worth it based on how he played last year? Do we uh, trade him? Do we just get that money back because they uh, that's not a guaranteed 
contract there. So, uh, yeah, I do think they have some decisions to make. I, I would say wide receiver, too. Offensive line, I don't think it's going to be a dramatic fall off. I think Kelsey's going to be back. Brooks, you know, you have some, some guards who can play in his place. And uh, I do think Jason Peters is probably going to be back. That'll be an interesting decision. But um, that's more of a long-term thing for me than just what's going to happen in 2019. The Peters thing, I wonder if you can sort of talk yourself or the Eagles can talk themselves into some of the problems with his health health this year were not just because he's, you know, one of the oldest guys in the league, but also because he was coming off of the injury from last year. So maybe a year removed, he this, this you know, bionic superhuman will be in somewhat better shape. At 37 years old? I mean, that? who knows? He's he, There's only one Jason Peters. The wide receiver only thing is also, is also interesting, I think, because, I know that's right, uh, because I think moving forward you're going to see more 12 personnel. You want to see Zach Ertz and Dallas Are Goddard. we sure about this? Are I we going to be talking? Is it going to be like 2021 yeah, right. and we're like, all right, this is, you know, yeah. they're going to start. Because they did start doing it, but then, then the, they playoffs, off the playoffs, they, they, they didn't yeah. think it was their best chance to win. But I think win. that tells you that even if that is the case, they need, they need three good wide receivers. All right, the last one. What are you more interested in? And I think the, uh, you know, the call board here tells us, but what is more interesting to you? What the Eagles do with Nick Foles or what they do with Carson Wentz? I'm going to surprise you here. Mm. I'm going to say it's what they do with Carson Wentz mm. from this perspective. About a month and a half ago, I got an argument with people saying, there's no way they should give this guy any money. They should just wait this thing out, let him play next season. I haven't heard anyone bring this up again in a month. I'm assuming now the Eagles will not pay Carson Wentz this offseason off of the injury. They will see how he plays next season. If he goes back to MVP form, they'll give him a big contract, and this all will go away for a long time. I think that, though, but I, I don't know. Maybe they will give him a contract. Maybe they try to find a way to sign him relatively on the cheap because he is not in a good position right now to ask for you know elite money. So I assume Foles is gone. I don't know about what they're going to do with Wentz in terms of his contract, so I'm more interested in that. I think I lean, I think I lean the same way as you with Wentz's contract. I thought even during the season when he wasn't playing great, but he was having some good moments, some not-so-good moments, I thought there was still a pretty good chance he would get the extension this offseason. Given some of the durability issues, I mean, they know the medical history better than anybody else, but I would think that they would say, you know what, what's the rush here? We can save that that cap money this offseason, spend it in some other places, wait a year, see how he does, and then sign him next offseason. So I don't know that there's going to be a lot of intrigue with Wentz, so for that reason I'll still say Foles just with, you know, where's he going to go? What situation is he going to be in? Are they, is there that, you know, I think it's still a slim chance, but will they be able to acquire something via trade? Will he be on a team that they play next year? I mean, we can tell from your call board, from the callers to the station, how beloved this this guy is, and it is going to be fascinating to see where he continues his career. I think from an Eagles perspective, the the Foles thing is less interesting for the reasons that Shield laid out, just because there's not there aren't really that many options. It sounds like he's probably just going to hit free agency. Um, and the Wentz thing, if they do sign him, that at least tells us that the Eagles internally have confidence in his back, uh, and that tells you a little bit more than what they would say publicly. But from a general league perspective, I think she'll, she'll said it, and, and it's right. Where Nick Foles goes is going to be fascinating. What week of the season do we start hearing the phone calls here? Of, you know, the, if Foles was here, like... The first preseason game? The first inter- incomplete by Wentz? Yeah. 
I mean, it, it might not even take in training camp if he has a bad day. We might hear right. The one thing I think I find interesting about this whole arc of career of Nick Foles, it doesn't even matter, I don't believe, how he plays next season somewhere else because there's a feeling that he, what he does here is yeah. so different than yes. anywhere else. So even if he struggles, if Wentz struggles, the feeling will be if Foles was here, he'd be winning. Well, maybe you send him off, get a couple years as a starter. He doesn't do a great job, Comes but back? you bring him back as the 33-year-old backup. We're doing it again. I'm also curious. I'm also fascinated. How's Wentz going to respond to all of this? I mean, well, he we already t- said pressure. He felt pressure. The yeah, other day. he said there is some pressure with the way Foles played, and he's looking to prove doubters wrong with the durability. I mean, suddenly it feels like there's a lot of pressure on this guy, and it seems like he has the makeup to handle it. But man, that, we're going to be talking about it all off season. Quickly, do you think Sudfeld is definitely the backup? Because Jack's been throwing out Joe Flacco. Like, do you think the Eagles might think they need? something more substantial behind Wentz or is Sudfeld that guy in their mind? I think he, I think he is the number two going into next season. Uh, he's, he's a bit of an interesting situation because he's a restricted free agent. So the Eagles have to decide whether to give him the sixth round tender or the second round tender, depending on what kind of market they think there might be for him. Uh, they could also just sign him to a contract, but I, I would be shocked if he's the only guy they bring back. Maybe they draft somebody late. Maybe they bring in another type of journeyman uh, back up and, and have him compete with Sudfeld. But I think it's his, his job to lose. You don't want to pay that guy a lot of money, given what you're going to have to pay Wentz, even if it's not this offseason. Right. Next offseason, you need to go cheap there. So I don't think they're going to make any type of splash there. I would expect it to be Sudfeld unless they see stuff in practice. And we have, they don't like. Observing Sudfeld in the locker room for the past two years, he is like the most universally beloved guy in the locker room, like across all positions. It's very weird. So he's like a perfect backup. Yeah. He gets along with everybody. He supports the starter. He's not threatening enough to be the starter. That might be what they're looking for. It might be what they need. <laughs> all right, guys, I appreciate you coming in. I appreciate doing this all season long. I'm sure you guys will hop on at different times with me during the off season. But our last birds with friends for a little while, I enjoyed this season. I appreciate it. It was fun. Do it again next year. Sounds good. As long as you don't keep ducking us. Listen, I've been here the last couple weeks. (laughs) Ducking you. All right. Anyway, you guys have a good night. And one more time, Bo, tell everyone how they can sign up and read you guys all offseason. Theathletic.com slash WIP. Get you 30% off. Again, read Shields. Breakdown of everything that you need to know about the Eagles and Nick Foles. You also have got uh, Matt Gell breaking down what's going on with the Phillies and Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Rich Hoffman had a good fun piece yesterday about the Eagles. Favorite memory, or the uh, Sixers, rather, favorite memories of uh, Dario Saric. So, all good stuff. Sign up at The Athletic. This has been Birds with Friends. On the other side, hot stove check-in. And we're going to bring on Bob Nightingale of USA Today to talk about the Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, those characters. 888-729-9494 on Sports Radio 94 WIP.